Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to the bonus edition of I Take Bravo Very Seriously with me, your host, Dana Mandel. And I'm doing this episode because I promised it to you. I hate that I did that for myself because now I'm doing this on the weekend, but it's just too hard for me to get um, the Real Housewives episodes that come out Wednesday night, especially this past week. As I told you guys in my last episode, I was sick and in the hospital, so... Um, I was lucky to get an episode to you at all, but I did, and I'm getting this bonus one to you today. So today's episode is um, actually not just going to be a recap, because we got some updates in the VPR world, so I'm going to be sharing that with you, and then a recap of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills from this past week, and Real Housewives of Miami. So let's get into the episode. That's my opinion! Okay, so on Friday, yesterday, Sheena dropped an episode of Shenanigans, She's, like, oddly not dropping it on Apple Podcasts until, like, much later in the day, so it's, like, just on Spotify and iHeart. I really don't know what's going on there. And then all of a sudden, it'll show up on Apple Podcasts showing that it dropped at 3 a.m., which it didn't. So I literally don't know what's going on there. Super bizarre. So she had some things to say about her um, interview with Allie and about what Raquel has said. So... Literally, she, she was answering some fan questions. She did like a solo episode and basically people are asking her about what Raquel is alleging. And I'm just going to play you a clip right now from what she said from Shenanigans. But I was like, has it ever gone further? And she swore to me multiple times, never, never, never. I do know the real reason why they broke up. She confided in me about something that happened right before they broke up. But that is not my story to tell. I can only imagine with her having a podcast now, she's going to eventually share that story. But that is not my story to tell here. Okay, so I don't know if you guys see what Sheena did here, but what actually she did is quite dangerous. So she answered for Raquel in terms of she said out loud that I've asked Raquel many times if he's ever physically assaulted her. And she said, no, 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 no. Just because Raquel tell, told you that doesn't mean that that's necessarily true. And now she may not feel as comfortable coming forward if that now is true or if that's something that did happen in the past that she does want to come forward with now because she may feel as though she was discredited by what Sheena has just said because she had made a different statement in the past. And this is something that happens to women constantly where they feel like they can't come forward about something because they denied it in the past. And how's that going to be looked at? So I felt that to be quite dangerous. And then for her to say that, you know, Raquel will come up with that information in her own time. She may not, you know? So I just felt like this whole thing, especially when she said, like, I'm not speaking for her, you literally are. So I just thought this was so terrible. Um, and then somebody asked her, like, if she believed Allie. So I'm just going to play you a clip from what she said to that. I do believe Allie. I obviously wasn't in the car with them that night. I wasn't at the event or the after party. So I think it can be true that Allie wasn't the victim of physical violence in that instance, but it can also be true that Teddy and Tamara had witnessed, you know, that old rage, crazy behavior from James that didn't sit well with them. Maybe the way he lunged to like grab her phone or something they thought was a little too aggressive or whatever they had said happened. But I genuinely think that if someone had been in physical danger and if they witnessed something that bad I would hope that authorities or someone would have been alerted not just like let's get out of the car and then go to a party at TomTom Tom. that seems weird to me but yeah I know 
that when I spoke to Teddy, she didn't want to talk about the details of what happened that night from her point of view. So I think both can be true. I think that nothing could have physically happened to Allie, but it was something enough to make Teddy and Tamara very shaken up. Okay, so what Sheena did here is, again, very dangerous because she is speculating what could have possibly happened. Again, Sheena, as you said, you weren't there. So why would you give all of these examples of what could have possibly happened? That's a just really dangerous thing to do if someone did ever want to come forward in future. The other weird thing is her saying like, oh, you know, maybe he was grabbing a phone or like doing something like that. No one said anything about grabbing a phone. There's all this new information that even came out of this that we didn't speculate. Like even in Ali's um, interview with Sheena, she was like, I wasn't bleeding. No one said you were bleeding, Ali. Actually, that's something I knew deep down from a source, but that wasn't public information. So it's very interesting that she said she wasn't bleeding. And then very interesting here to say that like James was trying to grab his phone or someone was trying to grab a phone. I heard nothing about a phone before. So, you know, like you're keep, you're continuing to add information to a story that you clearly know the information about. I think she, sh she shouldn't talk about it anymore. I think she shouldn't get involved because she's gotten herself so involved in it now. And if you haven't, if you weren't there, maybe you shouldn't speak on it. Um, and the other weird thing that she said here is that, like, I, I, I would have assumed that someone would have called the police. Okay, that's not how things always work, you know? Like, Teddy and Tamara may not have wanted to get involved. That's very understandable. So don't just assume that just... That's that's a ridiculous... Like, like, if you think about, like... I don't know, a very separate situation, but a domestic violence situation. Every time there's a domestic violence situation, are the police called? No. And it doesn't mean that the situation didn't happen, and it doesn't mean that it's any less valid. So just because no police were called doesn't mean that something bad didn't happen. So that was pretty fucked up. And as I was, you know, getting that information for the day, Kristen motherfucking Doty drops the bomb of all bombs and tells the world on sex, love, and what else matters that James Kennedy, she confirmed physical abuse allegations, basically. So I'm going to play the clip right now from her podcast. See you next Tuesday is, what, uh, does James have a DJ name? DJ Beats? Women, allegedly? <laughs> it's not alleged. Not allegedly? That's exactly well, I right. mean, I got it. Uh, I, I it's mean, exactly it's all over right. the news. I don't know. I just tabloids. I've been reading. I don't know what people are no, saying. It's Actually, not I do. I do know what people are saying. We'll talk but. about it soon. Wild. I could not believe she came out and said it. And this is what I was hoping for all along. And this is what I was saying in my previous episodes that I'm sorry that the information that's being provided is so vague. And I'm sorry um, if it's this is triggering any victims. That's never my intent. My intent was always just to try to get this information out there. And, and again, this is information that is the information I've been spreading has been information that has been in the dark seeds of the internet for many many years now everything i've pulled up is not new information i'm just resurfacing information and as katie maloney said in season seven it's time's up on james kennedy okay so Kristen doty has come forward as a victim and like i said to you guys in previous episodes if there is no victim willing to come forward there's no investigation right and there's nothing to take seriously and that's why i understand why so many of you guys were like these are just allegations or you're not giving enough i totally get it but the point like i said was to make people who are victims feel comfortable enough to come forward knowing that there's people out there who will support them and so Kristen didn't feel like she could be supported in the past and didn't feel like people would believe her and now she fucking does and this is amazing so from my understanding of this 
something else is going to be dropping, according to Up and Adam, maybe on Monday. So I don't know if that's from Kristen or from him, but I'm really excited. It looks like Kristen is going to tell her story. So that's the VPR update of the weekend. And this is a fucking movement, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. So we support you, Kristen, and I can't wait for more information to come out soon on this. I take sketch comedy very seriously, so it offends me when people just think that they can just do it. Okay, let's get into our Real Housewives of Beverly Hills uh, recap. So this is our last episode before the finale. I can't believe it. The season has gone by really quick. It's had some good moments. It's had a lot more slow moments, but, you know, it's it wasn't a terrible season, and I loved getting a lot more from Sutton. <clears throat> um, so the episode starts out with Erica talking to her therapist about having this Las Vegas residency, and they discuss how she used to have these unlimited resources when it comes to Tom, and not just monetarily but he also supported her right so he was her safety net and now she just sort of feels like she doesn't have that and that's scary um that's really interesting you know I mean you know just not about the money but she's on her own now she's like fully on her own and she's been supported by someone for such a long time and we'll see this later when we talk about Lisa Hodgstein and she talks about being in a similar situation where she's always sort of had a man supporting her, right? So I can imagine that being a very different sort of life transition where you just don't have something to fall back on, where if you're going to put your all into something, you could lose everything. And that's a way scarier feeling if you don't have something to fall back on. Um, and then she talks again about this fucking earrings to her therapist and how um, when she was on the trip, she sort of felt like um, she wasn't getting support from them and she felt like she was getting judgment from them. <clears throat> um, and then she said she wants to release it, but she also wants, she also has to like realize she's never going to get what she's looking for from them. And her therapist says that closure has to come from within. And this is like the second time I've heard this now. I feel like the first time I heard this was on Rachel Goes Rogue. I feel like one of her therapists said this. And I never really thought about that before. Or no, this was, the, yeah, this was on Rachel Goes Rogue. And this was maybe a, one of the recent episodes that she did with um, Pastor Cal, where he was saying something about how when we go back to someone, like when we break up with someone and we go back to them, a lot of times it's because we say we need closure from them or there's like unfinished business. And he said, that's like not a thing because it has to come from within. So that's really interesting. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you can't force people to give you something that they don't want to give you. So if you want to let it go, that has to come from within you, you know? Um, so then we have a scene of Sutton riding her horse Santos and she's like, oh, I haven't had a horse since I was a kid. And this is like the most, the bougiest thing ever, right? It reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where it's like, I had a pony, right? Like only the rich would have had a pony. Um, so Sutton is saying that she wants to say goodbye to a Christian, her ex-husband, before he leaves. So I didn't actually realize, she says that he lives down the street. So I didn't realize like how integrated he was in her life. And she also makes a similar statement where she's saying like, you know, he won't be there. So if she falls now, she'll be falling by herself. And this is exactly sort of what we're hearing from Erica, right? These are two women now. And then we'll talk about Lisa later, who also feel like, you know, without that cushion of their ex-husbands, they feel alone and they feel un not, not necessarily alone, but they feel unsafe because they feel like if they fall, there isn't, there isn't that safety net, like I mentioned before, right? So it, it is scary to be on your own. It is scary to be independent, right? But I feel like it's so important to always have that because you never know when that person is going to leave you or if that person is going to leave you. And that's what, you know, like you should never just rely on that safety net and always rely on yourself and make sure that you can protect yourself for situations like these. Um, so then Kyle tells Sutton that she and Mauricio have been going to therapy and she says that, They've both been working a lot, and this has created so much time apart. 
Um, she said, like, how they started out with nothing and so much has changed. And she said that they both need to make sacrifices, but he will never not work. And she doesn't want to make, like, big sacrifices because she was already a great wife and mom and she already feels like, you know, Mo is not prioritizing her the same way she did to him all these years. So she's explaining how, you know, she did the typical mom thing. She was doing the... Um, pickups and the drop-offs and the doctor's appointments and stuff and he wasn't doing all of that and now she has all of these amazing things and it's not like things have changed in their marriage in terms of Kyle being busy because Kyle has always been busy and yeah she may have these projects that she may not have had before but Mo is also working way more than he was before so it really is both of them they really are both doing so so much right and um so Sutton is telling her that they just need to figure out that balance and it's crazy because like yeah I mean his the agency is growing so much but it's not like these weren't these people weren't ever incredibly busy I mean they weren't they were always incredibly busy so I'm so confused as to what has changed in such a regard you know um and then we have a scene of Garcelle um so she's doing like this cyber smile campaign and the purpose of it is to like explain what happens when you're attacked on social media so it's a campaign that Garcelle does with Jax and Jade is, like, helping make a commercial for it. Um, so Cybersal came to them to be a partner based on, like, what happened last year. So you'll recall that um, Jade was the subject, or sorry, Jax, Garcelle's son, was the subject of online cyberbullying um, by bots who Garcelle ended up believing to having traced back to Diana Jenkins, I believe. Um, I guess we'll never know on that one, but, you know, she talks to Jax about how it's been a learning curve for her to learn how to parent Jax and Jade differently because he was talking this whole season about how he wanted to be more independent. So she's saying, okay, like, I've put a lot of thought into it and everything, and I'm comfortable with you taking an Uber as, like, a step forward to having more freedom. So, like, an Uber to a friend's house or, like, the mall or things like that. Um, then we have Sutton going um, to meet Steve for another date, and they meet at this bar that looks really, like... It's cute, but it doesn't ring Sutton to me because she's wearing, like, jeans. So it's so, like, outside of Sutton's wheelhouse. Um, and she says she's ready to find love again, and Spain did good for her. And so that's great. I mean, that whole letting go thing that she did, like, which was so symbolic when she was letting go of Merce in the purse, as well as her husband, as well as um, her father. You know, it, it was a symbolic thing to let go of those things. Um, but it she let it happen physically as well. And I think that's so amazing for her. And she's like, yeah, starting over in your fifties can be tough because you're 50. And you know, then she goes, if Tina Turner can do it, so can I, I do not get that reference, but sure. Um, they play darts and I don't know, the second date feels like symbolic of a new chapter for Sutton. And, um, I feel like this is good for Sutton. This I'm, I'm happy for her. So then we have, um, Kyla Mauricio talking at home about therapy and, Kyla's saying how talking to Jamie, her therapist, has been a big source of comfort for her. Um, and she feels like the couple's therapy has been more, been more difficult because, like, she'll think of something else that she wants to say. And then she'll be like, oh, when should I bring that up? Um, and, you know, Mo was like, okay, but, like, it's it's fun. And she's Kyle's like, I wouldn't really describe, like, therapy as fun. And Mo's like, yeah, but, you know, like, it's you know, it's, it's, we're getting through things here and we're, you know, we've gone through a tough time and having a session with Jamie helps me become more in tune with myself. And Kyle says, well, like, I hope it helps you reflect. And he's like, well, yes, that's what I mean by in tune. And so you can see how, like, 
even just the way they speak to each other, they don't understand each other anymore. To us, that may seem like perfectly normal, but this is a couple that's been together 27 years. They know what each other means at all times, right? So the fact that they're just not even the same page in that way where they don't know what each other means, I think that's really telling. Um, he says, we're in a way better place now. And, you know, he's talking about how hard it's become with so much going on and they're both growing and changing and they're empty nesters. And Kyle, like, kind of shuts this down and it seems like he's maybe brought this up before because she's like, we are not empty nesters, stop saying that. And Mauricio's like, I'm trying to look at tomorrow, like the future. And Kyle's like, well, I'm trying to think about today and right now. And again, this is a huge dichotomy in the ways of their trajectory of their relationship, right? If they're both not even thinking about the same types of things in terms of their relationship and their family, how can they grow together, right? Um, and then Kyle tells the camera that she doesn't feel like she's being heard and she's not going to stay in a situation she's not happy in. She says the thing is she wouldn't want her daughters to accept this and she wouldn't accept it for herself and that she wants to be happy and fulfilled. And just the look in her eyes and she's so teary-eyed in saying this and saying that she would never accept this for her daughters. I mean, this just seems so much more serious than is really being presented to us on the screen. I mean, we didn't think we were going to get much of it this season, but I feel like we have. I feel like we've got quite a bit from, um, you know, we. I didn't think we were going to get so many scenes of just, of just Mauricio and Kyle. But what she's saying here is like, yeah, we're both busy, but he has to try too. That's what she said in the last episode. And if he doesn't try, we're never going to make it. So maybe it's, and, and from what I can tell from all the scenes we've had from so far, where he seems so confused as to what's going on, I don't think maybe he's taking it as seriously as she is. She feels like, I'm so unhappy with the way this is. I'm willing to leave. And he's like, well, we're doing good and we've had some issues and, you know, people have issues and we'll work hard and, and we'll get there. But I guess he's not working hard enough and maybe he's not working hard enough because he's not taking her as seriously. You know, it's just, it's so disappointing to see a couple with such a strong bond and history and beautiful family not be able to work on this when it's literally just a matter of quality time, Right. Think about Tom and Ariana. What everybody seems to need in these relationships is quality time. And when they can't get it, the relationship just fails. Um, so then we have Anne-Marie having the ladies over for her diamonds and champagne brunch for Mother's Day. And she says she wants to talk to Crystal that day. Um, we see a scene of Dorit on the phone with PK while she's getting ready. And he's in London. And he says he's not sure when he's coming back. Um, and he says that uh, to her that Mother's Day is not a big deal in England. And Dorit's like, okay, well, I think it should be acknowledged. And he's like, well, you're not my mother. And she's like, no, I'm not your mother, but I'm your children's mother. And I would like you to make a concerted effort to be here on Mother's Day. And it's like, yeah, you know, she's putting her foot down with what she needs in this relationship and good for her, you know, like he may not like it and he may think she's being annoying or whatever he has said throughout this season, but she's been very clear with what she needs and her boundaries, you know, and I think that's good. Um, so then they get there and there's like all these lovely diamonds around and Erica says that she loves diamonds, but she's had enough fights over jewels for a minute, which is totally true. Sutton gets drunk and everyone just seems to be having a good time. So this is really good. Um, so then Crystal asks Erica how she's feeling after the trip. And Erica says that she's was like the only one or that like Crystal was the only one who said she was sorry for contributing to her pain. And she wished that the other people had done that. Um, and then Anne-Marie pulls Crystal aside to talk and they decide to agree to disagree, but both want to move on. And that's great. Funny, though, because the next episode is the finale of the season, I don't think we're going to see Anne-Marie again. And I believe that, um, didn't Andy tell us we were going to see better of her later in the season? Like, did he just mean that he was going to be, or that she was going to be really great to Crystal, um, when she was having that health scare, which was, yeah. So we've had like two or three good episodes 
okay episodes, right? I, I just, I don't think there's enough here to bring her back for next, next season, you know? Um, the ladies ask, ask Sutton about her date, and they're like, and she's like, oh, he texted me, and he says, you know, we haven't kissed yet, and Erica says, you know he wants a blowjob, honey. <laughs> I don't think that's what he necessarily said, but that's hilarious when Sutton's like, I want to know someone a bit before that, and I want to see a health certificate. <laughs> yes, Sutton, slay. Um, Erica said that something has been on her heart and that she's disappointed that the group as a whole were not there for her. Um, she said that half of her wants an apology from the group for not believing her, and half of her is like, no, if they wanted to apologize, they would. And Dorit explains, like, we were there for you. Like, she tells the camera, and, and I totally agree, that Erica made it very difficult for them. She had no empathy, she couldn't talk about it, there was a new article every ten seconds, but she and Kyle had blind support, and that wasn't easy. And I completely agree, she was very cold about it. All they wanted her to do was say that she felt bad for the victim, she refused to do that, she was so callous about the whole thing, and but they did really, really support her through it. And, you know, like, she should really be thankful for those people. But then, you know, Garcelle said, like, I didn't want you to fail, but I had my opinion, and I'm going to stick by that forever. And then Sutton does, like, a full apology. And Erica f feels like that's what she needed. So she said that she really received a lot of closure, even though she was supposed to receive that within herself. She couldn't help herself. But I guess that's good, because she says that she didn't think it was coming, and she appreciates it, and she feels like she can move forward now. And now we can fight about something else. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So... It looks like next week is a season finale, and it looks like this is when they pick cameras back up, and we see a lot of scenes of the ladies discussing Kyla Mauricio, and then there's a scene sort of at the end where Kyla Mauricio are discussing this with their daughters, and they're all crying, and Kyle says something like, we're always going to be a family, always will be. And just her repeating it again seemed very, like, produced, very TV. Like, I don't know why she had to say it, like, repeat herself again. Um, but this this scene is going to be hard to watch. I hope they had this conversation with their children, and I'm sure that they did, well before the filming of this scene. But I do, from what I understand, believe that they had to sort of tell their children after this sort of came out in People, and they felt forced to um, tell everybody what happened. So that's where we are with uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um... I think the finale is going to be three parts, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I assume it'll be very, you know, Kyle and Mauricio focused. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. So that's it for our recap of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Name them. That what? Name them. Well, name what you em. did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having... Name uh, well, be quiet. So name let em. me talk, Jesus! Okay, so let's get into our Real Housewives of Miami recap. So we're still in Miami. Uh, it's the last day, and Lisa is getting glam, and she's on the phone with Jody. She says that she signed the marital settlement agreement, but she's unclear if Lenny has signed it, and she doesn't trust him. So she has to get back in case their court date proceeds. So I guess if he does sign it, they don't have to go to court, and if he doesn't sign it, they do have to go to court. <clears throat> That's my understanding. So then Nicole comes into her room and is like, you know, I understand that it's hard for you to turn off your fight mode, even on vacation. Um, and she's like, you know, I know you have sort of a weird relationship with your dad. What's it like with your mom? And she's like, well, my mom is old school and she's coming in next week. She said she didn't know why her parents, um, like she says that she thinks they are still married and they're, they're not legally divorced, but they always slept in separate bedrooms and she didn't know why. She said that when she was 16, she left home and she started dating a guy and then was taken in by his family and then was with another guy and was taken in by his family. So she's always sort of been in relationships and been taken care of by men. And that's why sort of she has these daddy issues. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, I didn't know that about her. So it sort of seems like, 
you know, she was in so many relationships in her life where she was being taken care of by men. And so that maybe, I mean, that, that sort of explains a lot into why she's so terrified now. And she sort of is expecting a lot from Lenny post-divorce. You know what I'm saying? Um, then Nicole says that her dad is sort of like a child and has never assumed the role of a parent for her. And now he wants to have a baby. Um, and Nicole is saying that her and her dad has been making an effort. So she wants to like meet with him and his girlfriend. And as we know, Nicole's dad has uh, sadly passed away since then. And that's really sad that they weren't able to get their relationship on track before then. Or, I mean, they were able to get their relationship on track before then, but it's too bad that they weren't able to, you know, have many more years together when they were in a good place. Um, then we see Gertie saying that she's not feeling well and she can't make it out. Um, but as we know, like, Gertie's doing well now, so there are some scenes in this episode where, you know, she's just not ready to go. Um, then the ladies start discussing in, in the cab as they're going out how self-absorbed Lisa is. Marisol says that she tried to tell Lisa about her vow renewal and Lisa was just sort of like, who are we talking about again? So they're going out to like a shopping day in Mexico and Kiki goes up to Lisa at the market and Lisa's like, okay, I'm really sorry. I said that I can't heal your childhood trauma and for telling you to shut the fuck up. Um, she explains that she was angry with what she was going through and she explains that all she does is fight with Lenny and then they were fighting here and she feels like when she's fighting with her friends, like it's, it's hard. She feels like she's constantly fighting and you know, that does make a lot of sense. You know, she's fighting literally day to day in her real life so kiki says that she and lisa actually have so much in common and they could really be there for each other and support each other and so they actually just hug and make up and, and that's that after just like such a major fight they just totally let the whole thing go so that's great and that's what's great about housewives um so it's kiki and julia's birthday and so they plan an outing um marisol brings a pinata um so first the ladies go to larsa's tequila tasting and she says that she spent 800 grand on this I do not even recall after watching this episode a few times now what the tequila brand is called, but good for her. Um, Larsa tells Alexia, like, she's explaining to her, like, okay, like, this is what I wanted. I just wanted support from you guys on this because I worked really hard. And Alexia's like, we all worked really hard. And Alexia gives a toast to, like, every person's separate business. She goes, this is to her, this person's business and this person's business. Because she's really just trying to prove to herself and to them that Larsa doesn't work any harder than anybody else. Um, so then the ladies have dinner and Larsa does this game where she asks, like, what would you take from someone at the table if you could? Like, I think it's supposed to be like a personality trait. And Adriana says Marcus. And like, given what's been happening in the news lately, how hilarious. And just to update you all, if you haven't listened to my previous episodes or you haven't seen what's going on. First, uh, during the Super Bowl, um, Larsa tried to break the internet by posting a poll saying, uh, should your friends unfollow your ex? And everyone checked and she had unfollowed Marcus. Marcus was still following her. Then he posted a picture of him and his dad, Michael Jordan, watching the game. Then he unfollowed Larsa. Then on Wednesday, they were seen at a flower shop together. They, uh, refollowed each other. And then she was seen wearing a big diamond ring. So we don't know. We don't know. Um, but the rest of this episode is basically about their relationship, which I love. So then um, Larsa says, like, you know, that's fine. Like, I don't really get jealous. And Julia, Julia like, asks her the straight up question. She's like, so does Michael Jordan approve? And Larsa, like, does her little skirting around the bush thing where she's like, well, his mom commented three hearts on one of our photos. And Julia's like, yeah, but what about the dad? And Larsa says, he's cool. Like, it's cool. And Julia's like, she's avoiding the question. So... 
the ladies end the trip with like dildos and whipped cream in each other's faces as they should all end which is super fun um and they they don't get a question or they don't get an answer out of larsa and um then we have a scene of alexia and frankie going to the des moines foundation um where that's the place that sort of helps frankie become more independent and she says she's noticed so much more improvement um she talks about how they're moving soon and they just had to like pick a place because they were running out of time and frankie will have to get used to it i really think that like alexia and frankie are so codependent but in the cutest way like how she's sort of like blowing kisses at him and she doesn't want to say goodbye to him when he's like trying to learn at the center like (laughs) so cute i like absolutely love them um So then Lisa says that Lenny has signed the paperwork and has agreed to build a waterfront home for her and the kids to live in. Um, And it happens to be the same plans that Jody had actually made for a house that he was meant to build during COVID. So the plans were on a website and the designer of them was someone that Lenny had used before. And it happened to be the same plans that Jody was going to use to build his house. So that's random. Um, Then we have a scene of Nicole going to eat with her dad and his girlfriend, Isis, who's 38, who seems like pretty normal and she says like um you know her dad is still wanting to have kids with this girl and you know he keeps saying things like you know i'm gonna have them with or without her so they see they sort of have like this playful relationship and he keeps saying i'd marry her right now and nicole just sort of dropped all the judgment she's like you know i don't know why this 38 year old woman would want to be with my 70 year old dad but like who am i to judge and good for her for dropping that especially given now you know that he has passed right so then um, we have a scene of Adriana and Julia, or sorry, Adriana calls Julia and Alexia. So Julia and Alexia are together, and she says that there's this um, online thing where Michael Jordan is asked about um, his son's relationship with Larsa, and he laughed, and when he was pressed on it, he said no when asked if he approved of their relationship. So then Larsa and Adriana meet to play pickleball with Kiki, and Larsa uh, shows them um, flowers that Marcus got her, and the card said, oh, you're a great mom and wife. And Kiki's like, oh, okay, well, you're all over the press, you know, with the Michael Jordan video. And Larsa does her typical thing that she does, where she's just, you know, kind of blank-faced. She's like, he was laughing, Michael Jordan was laughing in the video. And Larsa said that she's, well, and they were, like, pressing her. They're like, okay, but, like, what is the relationship with him? What does he say? And Larsa's like, well, she, I've never seen Michael Jordan since Marcus and I have been together. Meaning, like, they've never, like, met as a couple, right? Like, Again, she would have known him in life or have seen him in life at basketball games when she was back with Scotty, but she's never seen Michael Jordan in the context of being Marcus Jordan's girlfriend. Um, So Adriana said that she would be a little bit hurt, and Larsa's like, there's nothing to be hurt about because behind closed doors, everything's fine. And Adriana said that Larsa's just trying to deflect, doing her little Kardashian moments. I'm not sure what she means by that, except just like keeping things on the down, down low, but I don't know. Kiki calls her out and she's like, you said Michael Jordan was okay with it, and now he's not, so who's lying? And Lars is like, I, I don't want to talk about him. And that's basically how it ends, and we have the season finale for next week, right? And, like, you know, Larsa has been linked to a lot of high-power people, like Michael Jordan, like the Kardashians, and I think her best defense mechanism, or being part of those worlds, is to say as little as possible, but at the same time, you can't be on a show like The Real Housewives of Miami and not share your life, right? So... She is saying a lot that's really confusing. Their relationship is confusing. Obviously, Michael Jordan hates you, and I'm sure he hates you even more now, given this big public spectacle um, this week. So 
Um, that's actually all we have on Miami, and then I believe there's going to be, so yeah, we have a season finale next week, and then I believe it's going to be a two-part finale, so I'll definitely be covering those, and I, there's obviously lots that goes on on social media after filming ends that ends up needing to be cleared up at reunions, so, um, it should be a pretty juicy one. It's been a pretty good season. I think it just got overlooked because of its timing and with all the other shows going on, unfortunately. So, uh, that is it for our Real Housewives of Miami recap. Okay, guys, thank you for listening to the Saturday edition of I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen on my YouTube channel at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You guys can follow me on TikTok at The Bravo Investigator. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bravo Investigator and at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. And guys, please rate, review, and subscribe. Five-star reviews if you don't mind. I'd really, really appreciate it. It helps the show grow. And I will see you next time. Next time, and until then, keep taking Bravo very seriously.